Hello, teachers. This is Classroom Conversations. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Georgia's teachers. Classroom Conversations is a joint partnership of the Georgia Department of Education and Georgia Public Broadcasting. Salt and pepper, those two. I'm Ashley Mingwasser, usually your host, but I'm doffing my floppy hat to don my toque blanche. That's a chef's hat. Today, I'm a sous chef, actually, alongside an actual culinary artist. Lest I overcook this content, this episode will benefit your closest buds, your taste buds. Let them water with anticipation as we discuss food for thought. Our main is this, how culinary arts instruction serves up healthy habits and cross-content connections. To the aspiring top chef listening and the teacher just trying to get an edible dinner on the table, prepare to be amazed by today's guest. Her tools are sharp, her ingredients fresh, and her smoke point pointers on point. She's a 12-year educator and chef, Tiffany Lewis. Chef Tiffany teaches culinary arts at Carroll County College and Career Academy South in Carrollton through a program that integrates high school courses, technical skills, and real-world work experiences for high schoolers. Welcome, Chef Tiffany. Thank you. How are you? I love that. I'm glad you love that. (laughs) I love your apron. Is this called an apron? No, this is the chef coat. The chef coat. I didn't even know it was called that. It's a beautiful orange, like fire you are, like you belong in a kitchen. Yes, it has to match your personality. Exactly, and it does match your personality. Would Would you please regale us with how you became a chef first and then culinary arts teacher? So the journey. The journey. I was a teen mom. And so all of a sudden, I said, I need to figure out what I'm going to do with myself (laughs) quickly and in a hurry. So it had to be something that I loved. And I was not going to take anything else for an answer. And nobody was going to press me into any other direction. And food was the thing that came to mind. I was like, culinary school, that's um, two years. I can do that. So um, I took a gap year and I waited a year before I went off to school. Then, once I graduated, of course, I had to run off and get married, right? Of course. And then, How romantic. Yes. <laughs> we had this trucking company, and I um, created that. That was his dream, and I set my own things aside. And um, that recession that popped up, what a wonderful thing it had been. He said, um, this is a great time for you to do your culinary thing. Okay, I'm not coming back there you go. <laughs> to this, but I did do trucking in a different capacity. Um, so I did my personal chef thing for a while, and I had an opportunity to teach at West Georgia Technical College, and it was a temporary position. And eventually I said I needed to go on and get my master's because I kind of like this uh, teaching thing. Maybe I can <laughs> do that online while I'm dispatching trucks and you know, in between. So that was an idea. And then I got this call from my CTAE director, Cindy Clanton, and uh, she talked about coming to teach there. And um, that's what I've been doing ever since. Ever since. Mm -hmm. So while you were working in trucking, you were a teacher in training, really? Yes. And you said you were a personal chef. What kind of clients did you cook for? Um, My preference was the person that needed me the most, the busy working somebody who's not wanting to go to the drive-thru all the time. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, let's bring this conversation to a boil. 
uh, Chef Tiffany, before we reduce to a simmer. I know our audience is hungry for your feedback, so I like to call this little Chef Tiffany Q&A Let's Dish. Are you ready? I'm ready. If you could just give me some short answers to these questions. What do you think is the biggest insight that we miss as people just preparing our own meals at home? Is there is there some truth about cooking for ourselves that we're leaving on the proverbial table, do you think? I think people overthink it. Yeah. Then it has to be some perfect way of doing something. There's only so many cooking techniques that you can apply to food. Good point. Yes. My oldest son, when I taught him, I said, you need to learn how to boil something and fry something. After that, you can apply those techniques to everything. And so now he's the best cook I know. He is? He is. Oh, you taught him well. (laughs) Okay, what pantry and refrigerated essentials should we always have on hand? Mm. What are some of those staples? Well, since I am the co-founder of a spice company, I'll have to say you have to have every spice known to man that you can find. Yeah. So I love to make the blends, you know, make the blends at home. And um, just having, mixing spices together, mm-hmm. and that's what we do um, in the company. So um, if I want a Moroccan flair, I already have those things blended together. But you know, who goes out and gets twenty different ingredients for that one-time experience? You know. Yeah. So you have to have those options at home, and um, fresh herbs and variety of onions, of course. Onions. Coconut milk. I use the same onion for everything. Is that bad? It's not bad. It might be a preference, but I need you to open your horizons. Got it. Got it. I usually just buy the white onion. I see it. I'm like, there it is. But I ignore all the other onions. <laughs> That's not fair. They all make me cry. I, you know, I hold that against them. Coconut milk, you said. Yes. What do you use that for? It has this creaminess about it. And I don't personally eat dairy products, so um, I'm not going to add milk or yogurt. So it kind of gives you that same effect, but with a tropical flair. Yeah. Yes. I like that. Okay, those are good. Is there a, a dish or a culinary style that you are best known for? You'd say it's your best hit. Well, it depends on who you ask. Okay. If you're at school, their favorite would be requesting sun-dried tomato pesto pasta with either oh. sausage or chicken or shrimp or all of the above. That sounds really good. At home, it's chickpeas um, with coconut curry. Oh. Definitely a range there. As I would expect. Very nice. Do chefs like to be cooked for? Absolutely. Really? Yes. (laughs) It feels like an impulse. You're like, I've got it. I've got this. Yes. We do like to be cooked for, and I think people are intimidated to cook. Sure. But we're appreciating what people can do. So we're not judging. We're like, I'm not working. Yes. I didn't have to do it. And by the way, how did you do that? Excellent perspective. So there's always something to learn yes. by receiving somebody else's cooking. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you're teaching that as part of your coursework. So I want to hear about that soon. Yes. Now, I know that culinarians care as much about food being delectable and tasty as it being beautiful. So of the various components of the culinary arts, there's there's food preparation, food presentation, and food service. Would you just give us like a little bit of wisdom for each of those? What is your wisdom for food preparation? Hmm. I would say um, making sure that things are consistent. So you don't have to know how to do all the knife cuts. But if you have a teeny tiny piece and then this huge piece over here, your dish is going to be inconsistent. Mm. So as long as the items are similar, and I try to make the students relax in that way. I'm not so stressed about you getting the perfect bathnay or brunoise, but are they similar in size so that we can cook it evenly? Be consistent. 
And what is your wisdom for food presentation? You eat with your eyes. Mm. Um, the people who know a dish and they like it, they don't care what it looks like. But most people, when you're presenting them with something and they're unfamiliar, it needs to look good. It needs to be balanced. It needs to have those components that are, you know, the color and the texture and the yeah. brightness. And my mom used to talk about making a dish for my dad. And he complained. He was a cook. <laughs> he complained about the colors. You can't have mashed potatoes, corn, and fried chicken together. <laughs> That's the wrong colors. Yeah. So I always remember that and balancing, you know, what things look like. There is an initial visual imprint when you receive a dish, even in a restaurant. You have that that gut reaction of, ooh, and I think that that's a good place to start uh, kind of receiving and taking in a meal is, is you want to have that ooh experience. I love yes. that. And what is your wisdom for food service? Hmm. The service of food. For the back of the house, um, we have this thing in our kitchen where, and even my kids at home, if you don't close your eyes at how good this food is, you don't serve it. Ah. You have to go back and make sure that it's as good as you would like to have it. And so before you're presenting it to somebody, you know, make sure that it's the product that you want to put out. And for the front of the house, um, making sure you understand the guests, making sure you can communicate what it is to the back of the house that they want and getting the information from them of what they desire and making sure that you're mindful of allergies and things like that. Um, it creates an experience. Yeah, a well-rounded experience. I can tell you're so proficient at that. Are your high schoolers that you work with good cooks? They're pretty good? They are. Really? They are when they get there. They just don't know yet. Oh, so it's a process you're guiding them through to that discovery. Right. Okay. So you tell them to what? Prepare to just be creative and... Well, first, I, I try to address any of their insecurities with a, like a little survey or questionnaire about what are they worried about. Where they're always worried about getting it right or getting it wrong or burning it. I say, well, you burn it, you clean it. Mm. That is the rule. So we're not worried about that. And if you're paying attention, you have no reason to burn it because you didn't leave it unattended. Ah. So um, I also tell them that I do burn butter and bread and rice. But it's because I'm running around the kitchen helping you. <laughs> so if you're around the food that I'm cooking, it's your fault if it burns because you should be paying attention to everybody's food on your stove. Right. One of the words you've told me that you really instill in your young cooks and training is intuition, that there is a space for intuition in the kitchen. It is. In hindsight, we always know we should have done something or we knew to do we knew to do that or this or, you know, whatever. And so uh, they hesitate based on what it is I'm going to think. I'm, and so I put it back on them. You know, what, what is it that you're going to think about this outcome of this dish? It's up to you. It's up to you. Do your students have a favorite lesson in the classroom? Mm, chewing. <laughs> they like to chew. <laughs> Um, they really enjoy doing the front of the house stuff. I think, um, you know, we're so busy in the kitchen when we sit down in the classroom, you know, they like to do the napkin folds and preparing for competition. And, um, they like just the front of the house service because we do some role play and things like that. And so they really cut up with that. That sounds like a and, good time. And, uh, these uh, garnishes that you do with your garmage tools and having fun with, uh, 
creating flowers and oh, yeah. flower baskets and all of that out of fruits and vegetables. And then they argue if they're in a group, who's going to take it home? So <laughs> I say, take a picture and you all have it forever. <laughs> you are so contagious, Chef Tiffany. I, I just know you're full of wonderful sayings that stick with your students. What are you known for saying in your classroom? <laughs> um, the famous saying is, do you know how many cents that is? Um, when I was in culinary school, we were graded by how much waste oh. was there. And you lose a letter grade based on that waste because that amount of food, whether it's a centimeter or half an inch, is going to add up over the year to be pounds and pounds of food. And so um, restaurants fail because they lose money or they don't know how to manage. Interesting. And so you should be there helping them to improve those savings by being mindful of the things that you're throwing away. Yeah. Do you know how many cents that is? Is there anything else you're known for saying? Um, well, there's quite a few things. <laughs> <laughs> I like uh, I like what you say for, um, what was it, something about dropping an item. Oh, whenever um, we're in the kitchen and somebody drops something, I didn't know early on that I needed to tell somebody to wash something. Oh, after it's hit the floor. And so it hits the floor and they... You know, being young, they just want to put it away because they just made all this noise. And so I started saying, wash it. Wash it. Yeah. So now in unison, as a chorus, <laughs> anytime anybody drops anything and it scares the visitors or people coming to put something away from another class, everybody's like, wash it. <laughs> and so I think they have the most fun when I drop something because they get to boss me and say, Wash it, wash to chef it, wash without it. thinking that they'll be in trouble. But yeah. then I have them wash it. <laughs> then we wash it. All of that is just beautiful discourse that I consider maybe the appetizer portion of our conversation. But let's change course. Let's go to the entree, the meat of the matter, which is just the collective benefits of culinary arts instruction for students, which you know so much about. What makes a successful culinary arts program in your mind's eye? When I first started, um, I was asked to just, I had the white apron. They just sent me the magic apron and say, here, go ahead and teach. And, you know, really trusted that I was the expert and I was a nervous wreck. So I think having a curriculum that's um, in place to make sure you, you're going over the techniques and um, the food safety, nutrition, and menu planning and all of that, that's really important to have. Um, but we can talk about these things all day, theoretically, but they need to have an opportunity to put those things into practice. Mm -hmm. um, making sure instructors have some industry experience and um, the teaching skills, but you know, you really don't know that you have teaching skills until you get in there. Yeah, that's true. It's kind of on the ground training. And it tests your own knowledge. So for everything that we're teaching them, our expertise may not have been into a place in that category. So we have to go in and relearn some of the stuff that we might have got taught in culinary school that we never put into practice. So, and I think um, one of the main things is relationship. Mm. Everybody can't teach high school students. I can't teach elementary school students as effectively as I can a high school student. So I think the relationship and being able to connect to an adolescent where they are and encouraging them in a space so that they feel productive and creative and 
you know, just having that outgoing personality where they can just jump in and get those things done. Be comfortable to achieve. Yes. Yeah. How does your school's uh, culinary arts program compare to, you know, maybe a traditional course or classroom? Similar, different? Um, I would say that there are some similarities, but mostly differences. I, I wouldn't even say just my culinary classroom, but CTAE in general is, you know, theoretical knowledge mixed with that practical application. And um, it's a unique setup for us to have CTE programs. Mm-hmm. And what does that um, acronym stand for? Career and Technical Education. I think the STEM model is kind of getting the idea of what CTE has been doing for decades and marrying those two things together. So it just makes a connection with the hands-on and um, the problem-solving and the teamwork just comes with it. When the students come to tour, one thing that I like to talk to them about, and they're in eighth grade coming through trying to make a decision, so we have them to look at those programs in their face instead of on a piece of paper trying to decide. Yes. And, you know, the teachers that are with them are always so happy that um, I mention culinary is science. Mm. Culinary is geography. Culinary is math. I'm like, sweetheart, we will use this pizza (laughs) to learn our fractions if we have to. But please do not come to me looking for a three-quarter cup because we have a half and a fourth. Ah. So... Those are the ways that those things kind of bridge together, and they're, they're using it all. Okay, got you. Oh, that's actually an initialism, correct myself. How does the culinary arts program foster creativity and innovation? I know you're really promoting that and intuition when you're talking with your students. How does this sort of program support that? Everything about culinary is creative, and uh, it feels innovative, especially to the students, because this is their first time experience in any of those things. Um, I give them those fundamentals and then allow them to and encourage them to think outside of the box. So I had this issue in culinary school, and and I always like to say that I didn't know how to cook when I left culinary school. (laughs) And I was really dependent on a recipe. And so um, I don't like that for them, and I don't like how that made me feel. It didn't uh, empower me Mm -hmm. in the industry. And so... They're scared, but they get over it Yeah. Um, when I just put out ingredients for that. And so allowing them to put their spin on the fundamentals that I teach them is um, what fosters that creativity. And then me reminding them, hey, we're doing these things. Make it your own. Um, but in the beginning, we make it just like you're supposed to make it. You mm-hmm. make it the classic way just so that you know how to do it. And... Um, You know, we have students from different backgrounds, and so when we get to a cuisine or something that their family background is familiar with, students are calling on each other, and they're like, is this right? Does this taste right? And I'm like, is this right? Does it taste right? (laughs) Right. Um, So it's a really wonderful sight to see and gives them, um, you know, it's nice to see the collaboration and the pride that they have working with each other and asking questions. Right. When there is so much innovation in the culinary arts, how do you keep current with the latest trends and advancements so that you're teaching uh, the latest, most up-to-date curriculum? Well, it seems like I can't stay out of school myself. (laughs) Um, Currently, I am working on my specialist degree and a doctorate. And so part of that is about staying up-to-date and making sure that we are um, translating the information that the students need to know 
um, keeping relationships with schools and other chefs and um, just some industry leaders, asking them to come in to talk to the students, to do demos and um, just opening it up even for parents because some of the parents are own businesses and um, it doesn't necessarily need to be inside of the culinary industry for them to present something to students that can be really helpful as far as those soft skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. How do you encourage your students? You mentioned they have different cultural backgrounds. Uh, how do you encourage them to explore and appreciate different cuisines and culinary traditions from around the world? I know your spice blends. I know all about you <laughs> taking a risk. So is that how you do it? You just try a bunch of different stuff? First, I give them no choice. Okay. Um, <laughs> Require it first. That's, that's what is on our list of things to do for our lesson plan. Um, But I asked them a few things in our syllabus when we're starting out. You know, be open-minded to try new things and understand that there's more than one way uh, Mm. to get something done. And so in our Culinary 2 class, um, it's important to expose them to all of these different kinds of foods. We organize field trips and we go to... Oh, yeah. Where do you go on your field trips? Restaurants and, you know, just some ethnic markets. We're still trying to get over to the Decat Farmer's Market so they can see the spice wall that I love so much. I love shopping there. Yes. And um, we take it a step further and I take them on international tours. So the tours that we've already been on, uh, London, Paris, Barcelona, Costa Rica. Um, Next year, we're going to Dominican Republic. There's a cooking class in there. Of course, there's surfing class. There's a pottery class, which I love and do. Um, and then after that year, we're scheduled for Thailand in 2025. So Amazing. And what, what grade are they, these high schoolers, when they're taking these international excursions? Um, ninth through 12th grade. Oh, and I even go. let their, if their siblings want to go, they have cousins, you know, let's oh, go. Wonderful. Let's go have a good time. Parents, I try to encourage them to tag along with us. Yeah. So there are requirements you mentioned, uh, the curriculum you're trying to achieve, and there also there there's a there's a health side of this. How are you collaborating with the school's nutrition program? What value comes from that? We have a really strong relationship with our school nutrition program. We don't have a cafeteria at our career academy, um, but when students finish the pathway, they can apply to work as a staff member mm. during the school year in what would have been my fourth semester. So my pathway is only three semesters. So that fourth semester, and if they can fit it in later on, they can work during the school day. And so that gives them that hands-on experience. They have a mentor and the people that they're working with over there. It kind of widens their, just their um, perspectives on what can be done in the industry. And then they get a check, which they're thrilled about once a month with the rest of us. (laughs) And so I love that working world. Yes, the students who are have extracurricular activities, especially they can't always work after school, especially whatever season they're in. If they're like my boys, they were doing something every season. Um, But the kids who are not doing extracurricular activities, that's two paychecks. They're working after school. They're working during school. And so. They're making it happen, and sometimes that's how the students pay for their international tour. So there's a job opportunity in it the is. school's nutrition program. That's wonderful. And on the flip side, culinary arts teaches healthy practices, healthy habits. Uh, I mentioned that in our intro. What have you witnessed in your students' eating habits as a result of your course? 
Well, my doctorate is in holistic nutrition. So when we do nutrition, we do nutrition. Nutrition. Yes. And so <laughs> they do learn a lot of extra things. And I think based on the chef that you have and the experiences, those strengths are going to come out. And so, um, you know, they learn all the details about the best ways to cook things to have the most nutritional value. They ah, look at yes. those Brussels sprouts and they're like, oh, my God, I don't like Brussels sprouts. But when we saute them and Parmesan cheese and bacon, Changes I mean, your experience. Now you're making it at home. I Who thought you didn't. Have a good sprout? I thought you didn't eat Brussels sprouts. Yeah. So, but they're still going to eat their pizza. Yes, they will. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do they participate in any community events through your program? I'd like to do more of that. Um, we do, as a class, go to the Taste of Carrollton, and I encourage them to go to the neighboring ones, and I'm always posting the places that I go. I love a taste of. Yes. yes. A taste of anything is tasty. Yeah. <laughs> well said. <laughs> um, but we would like, um, we're considering doing our own dedicated booth. Really? At some point. I would come, Chef I'm Tiffany. I'm scared. I don't know if I'm ready. You know, we have them an hour a day. You know, they're so young. Yeah. Um, but, but they're you capable. Tell, you told me they're good cooks. They're capable. And you're teaching them to trust their intuition in the kitchen. Yes. Yeah. But we're also looking at, um, you know, pushing the proposal to get approval for a food truck. Oh, so man. So we'd really love to do that. And then we can really showcase what they're doing. What they're capable of. Yes. Oh, that sounds wonderful. What strategies do you have in place to support your students who want to pursue advanced training in culinary arts or some sort of higher education in this after high school? Well, in CTE, our side job is making sure students get situated for beyond high, high school. school. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we have advanced training. For those who want the advanced training, we have some of that. And um, we have counseling services, of course, and we provide guidance and, you know, whatever they need. We keep connections with the culinary schools and... Um, I have one person um, restaurant on our board. He's very busy, but he says, you know what? The way I'll participate is if you want a kid to see if this is the industry for them, mm. send them over on a Friday and Saturday. There you go. And they'll find out whether this is for them. Yeah. So um, letting them get into those situations, you know, I knew I loved food because of what, you know, my grandma cooked 364 days out of the year. And oh, my goodness. Um, What's the one day? The one day was a tuna salad or a sandwich. And I'm like, she didn't warn me. <laughs> like, I had no idea. I, didn't, I don't smell anything <laughs> cooking when I'm walking to the house. Um, yeah. So we try to support them in any which way they want to go. And um, if they're choosing culinary over something that their hearts desire, I try to move them to a class that mm -hmm. where the thing is that they want to do. Oh, you want to be a doctor or a teacher. You know, you should be in this other class. There but, you go. Yeah. And then, you know, they have room to take my class at other times. So yeah. we want to point them in the right direction. That's part of your role, too. You're, you're sort of shepherding as well. I think that's a powerful point, too. There are community partners who will uphold this mission with you. But sometimes, you know, everybody deserves the rush that, mm -hmm. that I get as a host, that you get when you're cooking. We want to point people toward their rush, I think. Yeah. Um, have you ever had a student who just was not hacking it, just couldn't, didn't care, wasn't, wasn't into it, and then maybe turned around with a bit of a success story? There's always one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's group. always one in every group. You're right. And um, 
you know, being able to encourage them and see past their moment. Yeah. Um, there's so much more behind those defenses, their life that you don't know. And yeah. so a lot of what we do is spending time getting to know and trying to associate my experiences, which being a teen mom is one of those things that's really connected me to students and sharing that with them. And they're like, oh, my God, you told them that. Absolutely. Mm. And, you know, some of them are. And uh, so yeah. they're able to have a conversation and be open. And now I'm a real person and not just this teacher. Yeah. And, and now you're about to be Dr. Chef Tiffany when yeah. you're done. How are you going to do the titles for that? They were trying to figure it out. They said they like Dr. Chef. Dr. I'm like, Chef. I don't know yeah. how I feel about that. Yeah. <laughs> but to your earlier tenet of relationships, you're building relationships with this, these students. So that share divulging things sometimes could be the bridge to them. After, it makes them never go away, you know. Yeah, they stick around. Yes, and they call and they message. You're and Mama Chef, Tiffany. I am. <laughs> I'm point. Mama Dr. Chef. <laughs> Mama Dr. Chef. <laughs> After your students graduate, do you see any interesting long-term career paths from any former students in the culinary arts? I would say you're teaching them how to fish. I see. They keep getting younger and younger as they come to me. Ideally, I would love for them to come in 11th grade, like a dual enroll program, and run off to culinary school into the sunset. <laughs> into the sunset. Um, on a horse. Yes. But they're coming in ninth grade. And um, if I wait to want to get them in 11th grade, I'm competing uh, with AP and dual enrollment and right. all of that. So the beauty is the earlier you get them, um, the longer they have to practice those techniques. And so, you know, some of them end up cooking at home. Yeah. And uh, that's okay. And I had to learn to be okay with that. That's right. Um, but most of us will certainly go into the food service industry, whether we like it or not, even if it is to fuel another goal. Yes. So they may be wait staff or back of the house while they're trying to become the doctor or, you yeah. know, which is still whatever else. in that direction. Right. Very good. What would you say are the most common outcomes for students as a result of participating in the culinary arts program at your school? Oh, I would say they have some strong foundational techniques in culinary, and they're definitely knowledgeable, knowledgeable about nutrition and menu planning because I make them... You care about that. Yes, <laughs> yes. I make them create their menus. I make them make them balanced. And I said, if I eat plant-based and I come to a restaurant where you are and you don't have an option for me other than a salad and a potato. Bye-bye. I'm going to be upset. Yeah. Um, so creating um, their minds around being mindful of what people's desires are in food service. And um, ultimately, a lot of them will practice a, a lot of that. And so that makes me happy when I see them posting things um, around where they're working or what they're doing. A few won't tell me where they work. Oh, interesting. Um, they said, Chef, you're going to come by. Of course I'm going to come by <laughs> <laughs> because I want to see you. Well, this is where you can borrow my skill set and I can find out exactly where they are. And then you can go pop by and see how they're doing, yes. applying your skills. But my favorite thing is that this foundation for their personal lives um, they're going to need to feed their family. They're going to need to how to do that. They can do that for a family of four at $15. Look at that. They can be creative with their leftovers. Um, they can have some independence. 
they can do the Thanksgiving dinner. Yes. They can do the events and they can eventually make some money from that. And they can be that person in whatever college they're going to if it's not culinary school. They can do the cooking while other people are buying and they can make money doing that. So you so. literally do feed them for a lifetime. You do. Chef Tiffany. Yes. Bravo. Uh, our compliments to the chef. I'd, I'd hazard a chef's kiss here, but I would butcher the practice. So <laughs> I'll just say you deserve all of the Michelin stars. Thank you well, for thank being with you. us today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Whether you fancy yourself a culinary god or prefer the customer side of the counter, just remember that you're a great teacher. Thanks to Chef Tiffany's guidance, you can measure out some healthy habits for your classroom and make entrees with your intuition for a change. Just be safe out there. I'm Ashley. The Classroom's Conversations Kitchen is officially closed. We'll be back with your weekly serving of Teacher Talk next week. Goodbye for now. Funding for Classroom Conversations is made possible through the School Climate Transformation Grant. 